You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. So we're reading today from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sakes, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Thank you, Wade. I'm going to give you an announcement, uh, one more announcement, Um, talk to you a little bit about something I'm going to do before I get into the Word here. And as I'm doing that, I'm I'm going to take you through several scriptures today, so if you have your Bibles, get them out and kind of get them open and get them ready to move around a little bit. If you don't have a Bible, there are some in the corner over here in the back. Feel free to get up and go back and get a Bible um, so that you can kind of work along with us in in the scriptures this morning, okay? Um, for those who may not know, I am leaving Wednesday afternoon, uh, late afternoon. I'll be, I'll be heading down to Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, I'll arrive there on Thursday morning about 7 a.m. I will be there for just about three weeks. Um, this particular trip, uh, I'm going alone. I'm not actually taking a team. Usually we take a team to Brazil. Uh, I'm going alone. Uh, this is a time of uh, equipping leaders, um, and I'll be working in Sao Paulo for a week. Um, then uh, that'll be uh, Monday through Friday. Um, I will be teaching on the Father Heart of God in the morning sessions, uh, in the uh, afternoon sessions. These are like four-hour increments. In the afternoon session, I will be sharing with leaders and uh, developing and equipping leaders on a local uh, YWAM base. Uh, And then in the evening, I will be working with local pastors in the area and uh, bringing them together and uh, helping them and and preaching in their churches in the evenings um, as as we go. Then on the weekend, we will will take a six-hour drive uh, and we will head down uh, to a place called Patangi, which is in the central part in the outback of Brazil. It's not a jungle-type place, but just an outback-type place. Um, and there I'll be at a base as well, and I'll do some of the similar kinds of things in the morning, teaching on the Father Heart of God. Um, and then in the afternoon, I'll be working with the leaders of that base, trying to help them and equipping them and so forth. And in the evenings, I'll be actually working with student missionaries who are going to be going overseas at some point, hopefully in their lives, 
um, and we will do personal counseling sessions and one-on-ones with those people during, during the evenings. Uh, it's about as intense as it gets, uh, to be honest with you, and uh, it's really wearing. And um, I'm saying that because I want you praying for me as I travel while I am there. Um, and, and I'm going to segue for just a moment here. I've been talking to several of you, and I've experienced this myself, and Pastor Dave has experienced it as well. Since starting this particular series on getting free, uh, freedom in Christ, um, some of you, you're having some difficulties that are new to you, some challenges are entering into your life. Uh, you're, you're suffering physically from some things that just sort of like out of the blue hit you. Um, some of you are having crazy dreams. I am one of those. Pastor Dave is one of those. Uh, when, when those kinds of things happen and I start to hear that it's more than me, I begin to take note of that. And when you're dealing with a series on spiritual warfare, in essence, and you're talking about uh, people being set free, captives being set free, um, you can better bet that the enemy takes note of that and reacts to that. And so um, my spiritual hunch right now is that some of you in Life Church, you're under a, a deeper and more pointed spiritual attack than you have been for some time. So there's some chaotic things going on in your lives. There's some uh, new temptations or some old temptations that you conquered a long time ago that are surfacing again and rising up and you don't even have an understanding or, or an explanation of why this is happening. It's because the enemy is against you, all right? It's because he is crouching at the door. It's because he seeks whom he may devour. Um, and so I want you to be very alert. I want you to be very much on your guard during this series. And I want us as a church praying more than we've ever prayed for our freedom and for the freedom of others, all right? Uh, because people's faith walk hinges on this freedom that we are preaching about. And so I want to encourage you to be much more in prayer and fasting uh, than maybe you have been previously. And I know some of you are on a Lenten fast, and that's awesome. Include this aspect in that fast and that prayer time, uh, and, and let's, let's bind the hands of the enemy uh, here. And uh, I want you praying that over me. I'm going into some places where there is a lot of uh, really kind of darkness uh, prevailing, um, and I need you to be praying for me. I, in the night last night, woke up and uh, feeling very, very sick and uh, uh, feverish and uh, having difficulties just just uh, sort of even swallowing at, at times. And um, I don't like that feeling. Uh, I don't like uh, how that feels for the days ahead, you know. Uh, so I'm asking you to please be praying for me uh, while I am there. Pray for my family here uh, while I am there. And then pray one for another. Uh, in this body of believers as we are going through this series together uh, that God will prevail and we want God to arise and the enemy to be scattered and we want to be a people of great faith and we want to pray bold and courageous prayers and we want to see people set free and delivered from the bondages and the sins that they've wrestled with over their lives, okay? So that's uh, my encouragement to you today. Let's really, really jump in there and be a people of great prayer uh, as we are going forward. And uh, pray for your pastors. Pastor Dave and I need your prayers as, as much as anyone does. Uh, we're not... 
uh, immune to the snares of the evil one. So please be much in prayer for us as well. I will return on the 11th of April. Pastor Dave will be preaching while I am gone. He will be continuing this series uh, as I am away. And so pray for him and uh, support him and bless him uh, during that time, please. Okay? Today we're going to talk about the great exchange. Now, last Sunday we talked about what it, what it looks like and what it means to be in Christ, like resting in Christ, living in Christ, uh, being in, in Christ, and, and what are the benefits of that for us. And we talked about a number of things. We talked about that in Christ we are accepted. We are acceptable, you know. We talked about that in Christ we are valuable. We have value because of what Christ has done for us. We talked about that in Christ uh, we are forgiven completely and totally forgiven, all right? And that forgiveness is eternal, we talked about that in Christ we are deeply loved, all right, absolutely loved uh, by the Father and by His Son. Uh, we talked about that in Christ we are very usable, all right, none of us are defects, all right. In Christ we've been made, as this scripture this morning was read, a new creature, all right. We are new creatures in Christ, and we live out of that newness, we live out of that new identity that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to take that a little bit further, and I want to kind of just pull in what I believe is a, is a good understanding uh, that we need, and that is, what is this that God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ? What is this great exchange, if you will, that has taken place on the cross? And it's a very, I think, powerful message for you and I when we get this inside of our spirit, when we begin to, to live out of this identity, of this exchange that has taken place uh, then we live powerful lives for God. And that's where I want you to be. I want you to be in that place of living out of your true and, and rightful identity that you have in Christ. Uh, we'll talk more about Jesus on the cross uh, as we move closer and closer to Easter. But one of the last utterances of Jesus on the cross was, it is finished. It was a powerful moment on the cross when he was ready to give up the ghost, if you will, to die, and to die for us, all right? And in that moment, he spoke those words from the cross, and he said, it is finished. It's just one word in, in the Greek, but it's, it's a, a perfect tense of a verb that means something that is perfect, or is perfectly done, all right? And, and you could tra translate it this way. You could say that this work is perfectly perfect, all right? Or you could say this work is completely complete. In other words, there's nothing left. So I want, I want you to position yourself as we move further into this series with this understanding that Jesus has done everything possible that can be done for you to be saved and to live victorious. And so you can't do anything, all right? So stop. Knock it off, all right? Quit trying. It's done for you. Let's, let's move to the position of receiving it. Let's receive what God has done for us and what he has given to us through the cross, and let's stop trying to earn it. Let's stop trying to trade out for it. Let's stop trying to prove to him that we deserve it or that we should have it. Let's just, by faith, receive it, all right? And let God give us what he has given us, if you will, through the cross 
of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a passage in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, and we're going to go in and out of that passage from time to time in this series. Um, but beginning at verse 4 there, it says, Surely, surely uh, he has borne our griefs, all right? He, he, he's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. And yet we, we looked at him or we esteemed him as, as he's stricken down. He's, he's smitten by God. He's been afflicted. In other words, our, our view of him is very different than, than what he has done for us. All right. Verse 5 uh, continues in this vein. And he says, he was wounded for our transgressions. In other words, he, he didn't have transgressions, but he took the wounds for our transgressions. He was crushed, if you will, for our iniquities. He took them, uh, he felt them upon his very physical body. He was crushed for them. Uh, upon him was this chastisement uh, that, was, that, that has brought to you and I a living peace, a living hope. We have, we have this hope because of what was put upon him. And then it says, and with his stripes, we've been healed. In other words, he took injury. He took physical affliction so that we could actually be healed. And then he goes on, and this is where I want to land here on this passage, is verse 6. He says, all we like sheep, all we like sheep have gone astray. Now, all we leaves out no one, all right? So let's make it very clear. We're all sinners. We, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, if you, if you will, all right? Um, and and I, I just want you to understand that that's where we're coming from. We, without Jesus, we are in death. Without Jesus, we are battling our own sin, all right? And, 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 and in a different way than we battle now, okay? But he says, we, we have turned every one of us to his own way, all right? Even though we all have gone astray, we've done it in our own way, all right? So there are sins that, that are particular to you. There are, there's rebellion that is particular to you. There's, there's decisions that you make that are destructive to your life that are particular to you. But then notice what he says. Even though we've all done it in our own way, he says, the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. What was yours has been put on Jesus. What, what you deserved has been directed towards Jesus. Now, now that, that word iniquity there uh, in ver verse 5 is a, is a very interesting word. I think it's a very important word for us. In Hebrew, uh, the basic meaning of that word is guilt. He has put your guilt on Jesus. Another rendering of it would be perversity. He's put your perversity on Jesus, if you will, all right? Some of the more contemporary translations will use the term rebellion. He's put your rebellion, which, I mean, honestly, that, that is the universal guilt, if you will. We are a rebellious people. We, we, we rebel against God. We rebel against the things of God, all right? But what Isaiah is saying here is, the Lord has laid upon him, Jesus, all right? So, so the Father has laid upon his Son the guilt, the perversity, the rebellion, whatever, of all of us. It's all been put on him. Now, let's take it a little bit further here. 
that Hebrew word that means guilt or perversity or rebellion or whatever, all right, it, it goes, beyond, it not only means that, but it actually means also the punishment of that guilt, the punishment of that perversion, the punishment of that rebellion. So God, hear me now, hear this. God not only laid on Jesus the guilt of all of us, Listen to this. It's vitally important for you as you go forward. He laid upon Jesus the punishment for the guilt and the perversity and the rebellion. So he he didn't just get the guiltiness, but he took your punishment. He, He took it off of you and put it on his son so that you would not have to experience it. You would not have to go through that. Now, that's really important for you and I to understand Um, in understanding what happened to Jesus when he died on the cross. He's not just representing something. He's not, this is not a symbolic thing that just sort of happened there. But God the Father made, he made to, to, to meet up upon Jesus, on Jesus, this guilt, this perversity, this rebellion, and the evil consequences that follows that rebellion. He brought it all together on Jesus, on the cross for you. So that you would not have to carry it. It's not yours to take. It's not yours to hold on to. It's not yours to to, to wrestle with. It is done. This is why Jesus could say, it is finished. If you just got the guilt, then you would just be carrying the guilt the rest of your life because you got the guilt. No, you you got the freedom from the punishment of the guilt. You got it all. So you don't have, hear me, You don't have to walk around guilty. You don't have to walk around condemned. You don't have to walk around feeling inferior or left out or as though it's unfinished business. If you know Jesus, Jesus died for you and took the punishment of your sin upon him. And you are free. That's the message of the gospel, folks. That's that's where you need to learn. The the enemy is going to come against you, and the enemy is going to try to tell you, nope, you're still guilty. Nope, you still need to walk in the shame. Nope, you're still unworthy. Nope, you're going to have to pay somehow. Somehow you you just... And we live out of that kind of mentality from time to time, don't we? I, I, I hear people say to me, Pastor, I just feel like, you know, I just, I don't deserve this, and so I just feel like somewhere it's going to catch me. Somewhere it's going to catch up with me. Somewhere I'm going to have to pay. No, you don't have to pay. It's a free gift. It's yours because Jesus paid the ultimate full price. It's completely complete. It's perfectly perfect. It's done and finished for you on the cross of Calvary. And so when we say live in Christ, live in your acceptance, live in your love, live in your forgiveness, live in your value, live in your usability, we are literally meaning completely and totally live in that place. Don't try to make that happen. Don't try to earn that in some kind of way. And that, all, all, that, all that good is, is due to this, the very sinless obedience of Jesus. And here's the thing, that 
sinless obedience of Jesus has now been made available to us. It's contrary to our natural thinking, folks. We wouldn't reason it out that way, all right? All the evil that is due to our rebellion came upon Jesus on the cross that all the good due to his sinless obedience might be made available to us. Or to say it very shortly, the evil came upon Jesus that the good might be available to us. I want you to say that with me. I'll just repeat it after me, okay? I'll say it first, and then I want you to repeat it out loud, okay? The evil came upon Jesus. Say it. That the good might be made available to us. Okay, bear with me. Let's do it again, all right? The evil came upon Jesus... That the good might be made available to us. Okay, now I want you to change one word. Just bear with me, all right? Instead of saying us, I want you to say me, all right? Because now it's very personal. It's just, it, it's you and God. So we're going to say it this way, all right? I want you to say it after me. The evil due to me. Say it. Came upon, Jesus, came upon Jesus that the good due to Jesus, due to Jesus might, be made available to me. might be made available to me. All right, we're going to do it one more time, all right? The evil due to me, due to me came, upon Jesus, came upon Jesus that the good due to Jesus, due to Jesus might be made available to me. That's it. That's the great exchange. That's it right there. That's what you live out of, all right? That's what you, you bounce your life out of is that very thing. That when you make it personal, when it gets down to you and God, and you're talking this with God, that's where it comes alive for you, all right? It's not when you're saying, yeah, it's out there. Yeah, it's for the world. God died for the world through his son. Jesus, I understand all that. No, he died for you. And you've got to wake up in the morning and stand up and say, he died for me. I had to work at the gym yesterday. And this lady was talking to me. And uh, she, she knows me just, just from, from the gym. And I am a morning person. And oftentimes, over the years, I've worked many early mornings at the gym, which means that I wake up about 4.30 to get to the gym at 5 and get the gym open for these people who need to come in. And a lot of times when I'm not working at the gym at 5, I'm at the gym at 5 because I'm awake, and that's when I would go and work out. And she's not a morning person, and uh, she knows all of my family uh, very well, and she knows that my wife is not a morning person, and she knows that others in my home are not morning people. Uh, so I'm, in my home, I'm kind of the anomaly. And she said, she said, you know, I just, I've, got to, I've got to do something because I'm getting older. And, and I, I think that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting a, little, a few pounds. And my metabolism has changed. And I don't know what to do. And I said, well, there's, th there's little tricks you can do. In the morning when you get up, just drink a cold glass of water. That actually can spike your metabolism a little bit. Studies show this, all right? So before you put anything on your tummy, just drink a, a glass of ice cold water. And sometimes that can spike your metabolism a little bit. It's, it's just a, a common little thing, but I thought I would share that with her. 
And she goes, you know, I probably should do that, which is saying, you know what, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, you know. And I'm going, well, it's just a suggestion. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not law by any means. I'm grace, so just, it's just a suggestion. And she said, you know, I, I, I used to try to be one of those people like you, you know, and like I would get up in the morning, and this is what she did. Now, she's in the gym, and she's in front of everybody. And, and, and she said, I used to get up in the morning. Like I would wake up, and I would say, okay, I'm alive, all right? And she said, I would get ready. Like I would take a deep breath. I would get ready. And she said, I would throw the covers off. I would jump out of bed, and I would go, I'm alive. I'm ready. World, look out, because here I come. I mean, there's like 20 people looking around going, what is happening here? And she said, and then I quit. (laughs) Listen, you don't need to talk yourself into it in the morning. You don't need to convince yourself before you go to bed at night. You don't need to have a special cheering section inside of yourself to get you to where you need to be. You are there because of Jesus. He has already imparted to you all that you need. If you can just grasp that, that's the key to the storehouse, if you will. That everything that you need is contained in this revelation, if you will, that God the Father has made it possible for you to meet together with Him away from guilt and perversity and rebellion and consequences and punishment because of Christ. And so when you get this inside of you and you begin to understand it, this is your mantra. This is, this is your cheer, if you will. Uh, and when you, when you make it personal, it has an impact. It has a difference. And so that's what I want to challenge you today is that you take this and you really, really personalize it, okay? Here's the thing, folks. Christianity is it, it's unique and it's different from all the world religions. And, and so you're going to hear this throughout this series over and over again. God reconciled sinful man to himself by making his sinless son the sin bearer and dying in the sinner's place. It's the great exchange. So that's going to be a, 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 sort of a, a, a byword around here, around life churches, the great exchange. All right, because that's where we want you to live. We want you to understand that that's already done for you. Jesus paid the death penalty for, the, for you, who is the sinner. You and I, we are the sinners. And he's done that so, so that, that, that God could set you free. He sets the sinner free. He declares the sinner righteous in his holy presence. You are already righteous. You don't earn it. You don't make it happen by what you do or don't do. God has already declared that. What that means is the great exchange has already taken place. It is finished. All right? So you don't have to go figure that one out. All right? So again and again, we're going to say it. Christ got all our sin and guilt. We got his perfect righteousness standing before God. His righteousness was exchanged for our sin. So we're going to say it a lot of different ways, but it's going to be the same message, all right? Now, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. Look look in your Bibles or turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 18, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Wade read this to you. All this is from God, who 
through Christ, all right, it's no, hear this, no other way, all right. All this is from God. God is the source, all right. So every, all of this, is, this message of the great exchange is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That's the great exchange. But it doesn't stop right there. And he gave to us this ministry of reconciliation. Now, this word reconcile here in the original, it's, it's an old word used for exchanging coins, all right? So when two people exchange coins, all right? And, and so that's what it denotes, exchanging or, or changing, if you will, especially money. Then it, it, it became a, a, an issue of individuals, to change individuals or to change relationship as individuals, such as from enmity with one another to friendship, as in to reconcile, all right? So we exchange a position, we exchange a mindset, we exchange a heart condition, all right? So if, if I have offense or I'm at odds with Justin in some way, then I have to come to, Jess, to, to Justin and it's, this word says I am going to make an exchange with him, all right? And I'm going to exchange this old behavior and, and, and I'm going to receive his pardon, his forgiveness, and I'm going to be reconciled then to him. So there's this, there's this movement that's happening where we are exchanging as if we were exchanging coins or money or something like that. My, my little grandson, he comes to me and, and he says, can we trade money? And I say, okay, what do you got? And he goes, I got a quarter. And I say, okay, what do you want? And he says, um, I want, I don't know what I want. What do I want? And I go, well, you want another quarter. We're going to change quarters. You got an old quarter. I'm going to give you a new quarter. And so he takes the new quarter, and he looks at the new quarter, and he goes, that's the same. (laughs) He goes, Papa, I want one with the paper. (laughs) Six and savvy, all right? And I said, oh, okay, well, well, okay, let's see. And so I pull out some bills, and, and I pull out a $1 bill, and I say, okay, I'll trade you the dollar for the quarter. And he goes, no, I want to pick. Because <laughs> now he can count. And so he goes, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I want that one. <laughs> I said, no, we, we're not going to. Yeah. But here's the thing. I want you to understand that the devil would love to you to believe that you just trade something equal or that whatever you give isn't enough. But I want you to understand something. Every once in a while, I feel like a really grand grandfather. And you know what I do? I let him have the 10. I'm going to tell you something. God gave you the 10 from the very beginning. There's no question. You didn't even have to talk about it. He just gave it. Before you had the quarter, he had the 10. Before you were even wanting to trade or understood what a trade was, he had already made the deal. He cut the deal from the foundations of the world. He had it already designed, figured out, and planned. 
He ordained it from that time. And so when he saw you way down there in history and saw what you were doing and how much sin had consumed your life and how defiled you were and how rebellious against God you were, he said, I need to redeem that. I need to take care of that. And so he already had that planned way back here in the beginning of time. And he was looking down there and seeing you. And you know what he was saying? For God me, the Father, so loves the world. That man, that woman, that boy, that girl right down there, I'm going to give my son, I'm going to put him on the cross, and I'm going to exchange him for that sin so that I can pull them up out of that sin and redeem them and take all that defilement away and they can experience that forgiveness and that love and be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus with me, the Father, and they can be my children and enjoy a life with their elder brother, Jesus, for all of eternity. That, my friend, is the great exchange. God's love provided the means and the foundation for you and I to be reconciled to God. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. We were enemies. And while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Now, much more. It is important, it is imperative, it is necessary that we are not only reconciled, but that we understand that we are saved by his life. All right? You're, you're saved out of destruction. You're saved out of death. You're saved out of this lostness, all right, because of Jesus Christ. And, it, and you were enemies. We were at enmity with God. But he didn't say, okay, I'm just going to give you an equal, equal trade here on something. That doesn't work. Listen, even sheeps and lambs didn't work, really. They were for a time. And they spoke of this love of God, and they spoke of this great exchange. But God said, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to take care of this once and for all. I'm going to do this, and there's going to be finality to it. It's finished. It's perfectly perfect. It's completely complete. I've done it. And so Jesus came, and Jesus died. You see, God's own sense of justice had to be satisfied. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of scriptures we could go through here, but I, I'm, just going to, I'm just going to talk this through with you, and we're not going to go into all the different scriptures right now, okay? Uh, we can maybe put them on the website for you. But, see, we deserve the wrath of God. And because of that, God gave his son as a substitute, as a propitiation for our sin. So by, by the means of his own sacrifice of his son, he he turns away his own wrath from toward the believer. All right? It, it, it was destined for you. It is destined for you as one outside of God, outside of Christ. But, but see, here's the thing. We need this reconciliation. Please understand, God needs no reconciliation. God doesn't need it. We are the ones who need to be reconciled to him. We are the sinful. We are the rebellion, if you will, all right? And so this has to be done on God's terms, not on yours or mine. You don't get to decide how you get to be saved. You don't get to write up the plan. You don't get to come up with ideas, all right? It, it's done by God's plan. It has to be done on his terms and his terms are that it's made possible through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And so this is why he can say, for God so loved 
the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have, shall have eternal life. So that's where we, we, we live. This is where, where we land. God demonstrated his righteousness at, at, at the very present time so that, that he would be just and he would be the justifier of the one who is saved by faith in Jesus, Romans 3.26. All right? Now, how, how that puts a question out there for us, possibly. All right, let's try to answer it. How can God be a righteous, holy, and just God and justify the sinner? How can, how can a, a holy and a righteous God maintain his, his own in, integrity by justifying guilty people, guilty sinners? To put it more simply, how can we be right with God? How, how can we get right with God? And the Apostle Paul breaks it down in 1 Corinthians 5, in verse 21, when he says, He, God, made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. So that, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus. There it is. That's the great exchange. That's, that's so it. That's foundational for everything in our Christian life. It's all based on the, this atoning sacrifice of Jesus, this, this imputation, if you will, this, this crediting, if you will, of this perfect righteousness of Jesus to you and I who are sinners but are believing by our faith we are saved, not by our works, lest we would boast about that, all right? So this is the great contrast, is that he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, something you could never attain, something you and I could never do, all right? So that's where we land. So all of this living in Christ, we're living in Christ because of what Christ has done in the great exchange. All right, Because he has done this, all these things we talked about last week are absolutely possible for every one of you. So you don't have to live in this place of, of worrying or doubting or fearing or second-guessing or any of this kind of stuff. You can live in this place by faith that indeed this work is complete and it has been done. So what's our takeaway here today? Let me try to explain this exchange in several different ways here. I just want to give you several sort of quick looks at what this exchange looks like. Uh, it's not complete. It's not a complete list by any means, all right? It's just, it's just a sampling here, all right? But I want to look quickly as, we're, as, as I close this time uh, at some of these different aspects of this work on Calvary because all of what we're doing from, from this point forward is taking you to the cross. We're taking you to Easter Sunday and we're going to celebrate this tremendous work that is already finished. It is already completely complete, okay? And so I want to just give you a, a little sampling here of, of different ways to kind of view what God accomplished uh, in the death of Jesus Christ. And, and here's the first thing I would say to you. Jesus was punished 
that you might have forgiveness. And please understand, that punishment was so that you do not have to be punished. You do not live in a punitive relationship with God the Father. He's not some big, holy, unapproachable God who is going to look down on you and wait and watch until you slip up and then go, ah, gotcha. You're out. It's not the way it works. Now, that out doesn't give you permission to keep on sinning. All right? But what it does is it removes this culture of punishment so that you don't have to live under that kind of environment. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. And some folks get get very limited in that, and they talk about divine healing and physical healing and that sort of thing. Divine healing is all healing. It isn't just physical, but it's emotional. It's spiritual. It's all types of healing. God, God desires to heal you in all aspects of your life, all right? But he was wounded so that you can, by in your body, be healed. That's an amazing exchange. All right, so Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. That's crazy, isn't it? We give him our sinfulness and he gives us his righteousness. And it's a free gift. You don't don't have to do anything. Jesus tasted death for us so that we might share his life now. You're alive because of Jesus. You say, I'm alive because I was born. Yeah, you were born, but you were born dead in the sense that you don't know God. It is Jesus that gives you life. Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it abundant. And so what he's done is he's taken away what was spiritual death, and he's given you spiritual life. Jesus made a curse that we might receive a blessing. The curse of death was upon us. And the blessing of life is spoken to us through Jesus. Jesus endured our poverty, if you will, that we might have his abundance. In other words, we were poor in the sense that we did not know him. We were were without him. And so he has given to us all the riches of his kingdom so that we might enjoy our relationship with him Jesus bore our shame that we might share his glory I know that some of you have sat in my office and you've told me the stories of your life and they're horrible they're very very traumatic they're very very difficult I can't imagine some of the things that some of you sitting here today have been through I walk in here and and I look at you and I see the smile on your face and I just say, God, you are unbelievable that you could take that person's history and you could put your love and your grace and your righteousness in them and turn them around and today they walk in here and they worship you and they have a smile on their face. God, that is so amazing and so unbelievable. Honestly, I wish it wasn't risky for all of us to share our stories. 
Because there are so many stories in this room right now of an unbelievable redemption, an unbelievable rescue of people being brought up out of the most horrific of circumstances and situations. And I, I wish we could all just stand up and just tell the story of this amazing rescue, this tremendous exchange that has taken place. But here's the thing. Some of you come in and you're still battling the shame. You're still battling the guilt. You're, you're still battling in these places because the enemy keeps trying to condemn you. The enemy keeps trying to bring these things back to you to remind you of these things. But I'm telling you, Jesus bore your shame. Jesus bore all the shame of all the sin that's ever been in your life or ever will be. And he did it so that you could share his glory the glory of his righteousness as the son of God, the sinless one. And he wants you to live in that identity. He wants you to live in that place. He was cut off that we might be joined in. You're, you're grafted into the vine. You're a part. You belong. All right. He, he, he went outside the camp so you could come into the kingdom. He did what was necessary to be offset so that you could be set in and established. That's how much he loves you. And lastly, the old man or the old woman was put to death in Christ so that the new man or the new woman can come alive in us. I live, yet it's not me that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. That's where we land. That's, that's where we stand today, all right? We could not do for ourselves these things, but God has stepped in, and he has done for us what, what we could not do for ourselves. We were spiritually dead, and, and we remained outside until we, we received this regeneration, this presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit and the death of Christ on the cross. And so now we are born again. Every bit of it is in Jesus. John Calvin says it this way. He says, the only haven of safety is the mercy of God as manifested in Christ in whom every part of our salvation is complete. As all mankind are in the sight of God lost sinners, we hold that Christ is their only righteousness since by his obedience he has wiped off our transgressions. <clears throat> by his sacrifice he has appeased the divine anger. By his blood he has washed away our stains. By his cross he has borne our curse. And by his death made satisfaction for us. We maintain that in this way, man is reconciled in Christ to God the Father by no merit of his own, by no value of his works, but by gratuitous mercy from the living God. That's it right there. That is the divine exchange. Amen. I want you to live in that place today, all right? I want you to, I want you to stay right there and, and live out of the reality that Jesus has done for you what you could not do for yourself, all right? You want to come on up, Jen, and kind of round this off for us here, all right? <coughs>
Well, um, did you get it? That there was a great exchange that happened for us. Um, in Romans 1, 16 and 17, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For it, it is in the righteousness of God it is revealed. We need that righteousness. We need that exchange. We have sin, and on Christ, we can get that righteousness and make that exchange. You cannot be too attached to Christ. You cannot love him too much. You cannot reach out to him too much. You cannot be too connected to him. And so the invitation today for you, if this is the first time that you've heard of this great exchange, is to come up front and and talk to one of our trusted, wonderful prayer team members and talk about that exchange. If you've heard this before and you realize that you heard it here and it hasn't made that transition and, you, and you're getting it for the first time, please come up and pray with somebody and, and have that conversation how that exchange is complete, 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 complete. And you don't have to live with that shame and you don't have to live with that wondering that that exchange is complete. And so um, I'm going to pray for us quickly, and if the prayer team will come up, you are invited to come up here and pray with them and talk to them. I know these people, they're trusted, they're friends. You can have that conversation with them. And then um, if you're not coming for prayer, you're welcome to quietly dismiss. Join me in prayer. Dear God, thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to take our sins completely. And that he raised from the dead and completed and finished that redemption process so that we may be righteous. Remind us of that throughout the week as we face challenges, as that the enemy begins to remind us of our past. Help us to remember to cling to Christ and cling to that freedom. Be with us this week um, and help us to live out our faith. Amen. <laughs>